This is Strange Assembly, episode 275, Vampire the Masquerade, Chapters. I'm Chris Stevenson, and here with me today is Thomas from Flyos Games. Hello, guys. And we're going to be talking about Vampire the Masquerade Chapters, which is on Kickstarter right now. Let's get all the website address out of the way first. You can find that on Kickstarter under Vampire the Masquerade Chapters. You can find the game's own website at vampirethemasquerade-chapters.com. And you can find us at www.strangeassembly.com. And let's just assume that you know that you, audience, know the usual routine about subscribe on iTunes, leave us a review, that all sorts of things help people discover the show. But you're going to want to hear more today from our guest, Thomas. So why don't you first give a little introduction to Flyos Games, the people who are making Vampire the Masquerade chapters? Sure thing. You're listening to Thomas, but we're two at Flyos Games. There is uh, Gary and I. We've been uh, making some uh, board games for the last three years now. So Vampire the Masquerade Chapters is our third game. The first one that we kickstarted was uh, Kiwetin, and the second was Until the Light. So we are now distributed all around the world. And thanks to this passion and uh, the so much fun that we're having uh, doing this Kickstarter and board game, we're now on our third. So we decided to make it official for love of uh, VTM. And uh, yeah, we are doing. Uh, our third one on Vampire the Masquerade Chapters, which is a tabletop role-playing games with a tactical combat strategy, and uh, it's a cooperative board game. And now, the fifth edition of Vampire the Masquerade released a couple of years ago, and the role-playing game itself is being handled by Modiphius and Onyx Path Publishing now. So this is a... I know you said this is a role-playing game, but just to make sure we have the terminology right, this is... It's like a, what, story-driven tactical board game? Yeah, it's a tabletop role-playing game, what we call a RPBG, role-playing board game. So we tried to, uh, and we did, cross the bridge between uh, the tabletop role-playing game and the board game industry. We are uh, fans of these two uh, communities. We love them. And we are also players of a tabletop role-playing game. We've been playing a VTM for the last 20 years. Don't ask me how many characters I have because it's embarrassing. And um, we've been playing board games for a a lot of time now, uh, mostly 10 years, you know, in the the recent revolution of of the board games industry. So we decided to cross those two communities and make them discover one to another. So you can play it as a board game. You can play it as a tabletop RPG, which is amazing. Okay, and so I, I know that chapters, or you said you said it was cooperative. I believe it's for one to four players. And in the game, right, each of the players is going to be taking on the role of a particular character. Thing number one, from the Vampire Masquerade point of view, since it's cooperative, I imagine the characters are a coterie together. Exactly. You can play a coterie of four players. So you're playing in Montreal, in, uh, and the story, of course, is, uh, is canon. So Montreal, as uh, the Sabbath has fell, and because of the Second Inquisition, all the Kainite died in the same night, what we call the Night of Ashes. And the Camarilla just crept back and tried to get a hold of the new city that they've lost centuries ago. So you are playing one of four uh, neonates in a, in a coterie. 
that is part Camarilla and with a, a side of an arc that is uh, available where you're trying to um, contain the new danger and the lurking uh, horrors that are escaping here and there. So because of uh, this you know, old uh, threat that is coming back, the weak Camarilla and the rebel Onarchs are siding for this one and single mission just to make sure they're safe and that the Second Inquisition are not creeping back. So you can play one of the eight characters available, mainly all the one from the Camarilla, so Ventru, Toreador, Tremere, Nosferatu, and also a caitiff, uh, with a, of course, a Malkavian. And you can also play a Gangrel or a Bruja. You mentioned Montreal and creeping horrors. Now, if I, if I recall correctly, Montreal by Night was a black dog book and featured, mm, let's see, demonic sort of infestations in parts of the city. Is your plot tied back into the, the old classics, or is this a new threat that's menacing the city? So that's a very good question. We cannot actually go into too much detail about this. Of course, you're going to feel the presence of a very dark, gloomy thing in Montreal. Is it related to something that is buried deep in the Mont uh, Royal? Maybe. Maybe not. It's up to you to decide and to investigate. What I can tell you is that Montreal has a very gloomy and dark place in the heart of our fans and uh, in the Black Dog universe. V5 has been, you know, tuned down in terms of uh, storytelling just to go back to the roots of the vampirism, which is the, the beast, the hunger, and the touchstone. So we are trying and we are doing something much more closer to a V5 filling than a black dog. I guess it would be kind of spoilish to say, what is the ultimate threat? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Sure, so, I mean, this is a board game, and even in vampire role-playing games, there's combat, so I'm going to assume that there's some sort of combat going on in here, but you've also talked about hunger and touchstones, so how does the game handle those two different aspects of the vampire gaming experience, the shooting and stabbing things, and then the connections with mortals. Sure. Well, the, the game has uh, four different highlights and like the key pillars of the game. The first one is the story, the campaign. Everything that you do, every consequence and choice that you made is going to have some you know, impact on the story. VTM Chapters is a na narrative campaign game. So we conceived it with an epic and grim storytelling adventure and everything that you do is going to offer a multiple branching path and alternative ending. Everything is fully replayable. So that's why, for example, even if the game is playable for one to four players, there is eight characters. So you can go and play from one gameplay as you want. For example, you're a fan of the combat system. You can, you know, just rush things off and do it on your decision and your game style. But if you want to start over and see again the, the, the story with another angle, you can start over and play completely different characters, clan, and experience. So that's the freedom of the RPG we're trying to introduce as well as a key pillar. What we want is to take the best of both worlds, the immersive and greedy vampire, the masquerade tabletop game that we love and adore. But we also wanted to have something a little bit more easy to play for new players that are not so familiar with that system. So we made something cooperative, tactical, and much more closer to uh, what we call a green 
legacy board game where everything that you do has an impact on the next action and choice, but you know, you don't tear anything apart and you can start over as you want. So there's three different uh, mechanisms. There's the combat that you play with miniatures. Um, there is the immersive dialogue that you play with dialogue cards, where it, it is very close to a narrative story that depending on your action and choice, you can you know, try to intimidate a bruja or you can try, or you can try to persuade him, mm, depending on your choice and depending on the whole scene and uh, factor. One is a good choice, the other might not be. Let's not try to intimidate a bruja. It usually don't end well. And the last mechanism is the investigation. There's a lot of things hidden and ready to be discovered. If you're curious about it, and everything's there. You just need to, you know, grab it. But you need to be curious and you need to, to make sure that everything is understood as you think it is. But let's be honest, it's a vampire story. Everyone is pulling other strings and you think you know, but you don't. I can also see some other familiar elements uh, in the game. I see things like, uh, they're not sheets, but character cards with dots on them. There seem to be a decent number of uh, 10-sided dice maybe that are, that are coming yeah. up. <laughs> yes, exactly. Basically, what we wanted to, to do is for the new players uh, usually able to play on board games, they can pick Vampire the Masquerade chapters and have the, the, a very good introduction on how that tabletop RPG experience play. But also for the people usually more playing the tabletop RPG to get more a board game experience. So it's, we're trying to make a bridge between these two communities and introduce them to what we think is the best RPG in a box experience. And I have to say, that's the first time I've heard the uh, environmentalist pitch on why not to have legacy games. It's a green legacy game, Yeah, you said. Uh, <laughs> so, but in terms of games and or hours, how long do you anticipate a typical playthrough of the campaign taking? So the campaign holds a very large number of uh, sealed scenarios. So imagine at the end of the scenario number one, you drink a kind and you saw something very terrible and you need to dispatch him, you need to wipe his memory. So depending on what you're going to do, you can save him or maybe kill him to block him to do a masquerade breach. So if you save him, you're going to go in one way. And if you kill him, you're going to go into another direction. So depending on what you do, you're going to have available some scenarios and some will close. So you're going to be able to replay again if you want. Every single scenario are about 30 minutes to one hour play, and there is more than 40 scenarios. So that will take up to 40 to 50 hours to play one gameplay through for all the scenarios. After that, of course, the more people that play with you, the more time you can play with them. So if you play solo, you can rush the whole campaign in under around 40, scenario, uh, 40 hours. But if you play with three friends, that will take close to 100 hours for sure. Now, knowing Kickstarter backers and knowing Vampire the Masquerade players, everybody's going to ask about factions. So the, you mentioned the, the eight Camarilla. So you've got the seven traditional Camarilla that are now Camarilla or Anarch. And then I believe that the Banu Hakim we are now in the Camarilla, are available as an expansion that is included if you're a day one backer. So if it's, if it's February 4th when you're listening to this podcast, go to Kickstarter right now. <laughs> Try to get on on day one, right? Yes. 
everybody loves stretch goals. So I guess let me ask the inevitable, what sort of stretch goals are available for this? And are they going to include the possibility of playing other clans, bloodlines, whatever? So that's a big, big question. And I'm going to try to take my time to explain it because this is very important. And this is the nitty gritty of what I love about Kickstarter. So <laughs> we have three character extension. We have the Banu Akim that you can have for free if you were lucky enough to back us day one. So if, if it's day one and the project interests you, I strongly suggest you to, to back. So after the 24 hours, you can have to, you know, pay for it. But if you missed it, that's fine. And you take, for example, the, the latest and biggest pledge, there is a big, big discount if you take the whole thing because the whole expansion and all the expansion and add-ons are included in that biggest pledge. So you will save more money. So even if it's, you know, the, th the second or the last day of the campaign, you still have that option, of course. But we also have the La Sombra and we also have the Ministry characters available. Each of those uh, expansion character has a specific disciplines, a scenario and prologue introduction, and of course, their characters in miniatures. So that's the three characters add-on that we have on the side. Uh, of course, there is some additional dice, there is some additional features as the miniature painted. There is some NPC miniatures as well that we're working on. So there is a lot of things that uh, could be added to the basic pledge if you want to. Of course, when we're talking about stretch goals, stretch goals are amazing because the game that we're trying to make and that we are crowdfunding, it's very, very expensive because we're working with the best on this project. We're working with uh, Maxi Monetti. We're working with uh, Francisco on the miniatures. So there is a lot of fees that we cannot sustain alone. We really need your help on this because if we don't raise it, that project won't actually exist. So if there is enough person coming and backing the game more than we need, well, the cost of the games per unit is going to come down. So we have more available found to, to do some goodies. We have a lot of stretch goal prepared. Uh, it's all going to depend on the, the campaign rising funds. Uh, we've been working with a lot of um, affiliated VTM products. So uh, TES, we've Jackalope, we've uh, Kane in Canada. We've been working with Heritage as well. So there is a lot of uh, surprise that we have prepared, but there is also a lot of uh, you know, component improvement. There is a lot of extra miniatures that we have prepared. In terms of stretch goal, we are ready to go all in and the full package that we want to do is quite impressive. The last thing that we've worked on is the Kickstarter exclusive. So because the game is very, very different compared to other uh, you know, game in the board gaming industry, usually the MSRP, so the price of the pledge in the retail is kind of a three or four, five times the price of uh, your cost production. But because this game is, uh, is our most ambitious project, we've been working on something that costs way more than this industry standard. So to make sure that we are, you know, we are giving the best of what we can on Kickstarter, we've made sure to make some Kickstarter exclusive because right now we're not actually sure that this game is going to be available in retail because it's not sustainable to have that game when your distributors take 60% of the price. That's the reality of it. So because of this, we've made sure that the Kickstarter exclusive are very attractive. So 
you're going to be the first one to know, Chris, because we are registering this episode kind of a month before the campaign. So I'm glad to, to let you know that we have uh, prepared three Kickstarter exclusive. The first one is a cross product and a partnership with Bloodlines 2, where you're going to be able to play Mr. Damp from Bloodlines 2 in scenarios in Vampire the Masquerade chapters. So you're going to have the miniatures, you're going to have his character sheet, you're going to have everything available to play Mr. Damp. So that's the first one. The second is a werewolf that is living in the sewers of Montreal, which is quite disgusting and creepy because he's been there for quite some time and he's turned feral because of the Montreal sewers and um, horrors that, you know, lingers in there. So that's one of our biggest miniature. It's, uh, it's actually quite double the size of the rest. And we also have the main antagonist of the game, which is a Sabbath Canid, which is quite, of course, dangerous. And so, yeah, these three exclusive Kickstarter, if we go uh, one day retail, would not be available and included in the core box. So that's it. Now, you, you mentioned in there adding in the Ministry and the Lissambra and their specialized ways, and also working with, with other people. One of the things that I've seen that I liked with, say, the, the different multi-production companies for the role-playing game is that they're obviously talking to each other behind the scenes. So yeah. the Lissambra and their signature discipline of what is now called Oblivion are being introduced in Chicago by Night, from Onyx Path Publishing. So did you have the chance to work with them so that the presentation of the Lissambra and Oblivion are similar in chapters to the way they are in Chicago by Night? Or Of course. Okay. So it's even much more complex than this because it's a license and it's a big one and there's a lot of release coming up at the moment. There is a dedicated, dedicated team in a White Wolf and Paradox to make sure that everything stay put, stay together, that no one is, you know, pulling the blanket and just doing weird things on their own. Everything needs to be stable and needs to be fitting with the lore, with the canon story. So, yeah, we've been working with uh, Paradox and Karim on that, uh, on that part. But in terms of um, adaptation to what was available in, um, in Chicago by Night, it was not really difficult because we've been working with more than eight writers on this, and most of them have been working in Chicago by Nights especially Matthew Dawkins, that is working as well on the Chapters project. He seems to be everywhere these days, the gentleman gamer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he is very good at what he's doing, and he's very passionate, he's uh, very competent, and it's, uh, yeah, it's a very big pleasure to be working with him on this project, for sure. Now, I, I note that the game is, is set in Montreal, and if I'm not mistaken, Flyos is in Montreal. So do you ever get to do fun things like you know, you're at your local coffee shop and you're like, I really like you guys. I'm totally going to make you NPCs and then kill you in my game. <laughs> so, yes, of course. We tried the LARP scene not so long ago and we've met some uh, amazing people that are very interested to make, you know, all the characters uh, from chapters to the LARP scene. And so far, it's been, it's been a blast. It's been a blast. And we are, of course, using a lot of our, you know, Easter egg of our knowledge of the city because Gary and I, we've been living in the city for more than 10 years now. We come from 
France before. So Montreal has been yeah, the city we decided to stay here to establish. And this is, you know, this is the city that we love. So we wanted to, to make sure that every single neighbor was well represented. That makes sense for people that live here that could say, oh, okay, I know what they're talking about. We uh, included the corruption, the construction, <laughs> the snow. So for any Montreal out there listening to that podcast or playing at Vampire the Masquerade Chapters, yeah, we try to make Montreal as Montreal as possible. <laughs> Just storytelling the tabletop, it's uh, much, much harder to, to set a game in a, a city you're not familiar with. I, I imagine it would be 10 times as much work if you were trying to pre-write out an entire board game worth of story with if it was a city you, you didn't really know well. Well, storytelling is about credibility, right? If you're trying to, to make live a story and to, to give a proper experience, you need to know what you're talking about. The character has to be genuine. The story has to be credible. And what is more credibility than talking about a city that you live in? Like every single thing that we want to talk about, it's here. I can just walk by and make sure that, hmm, is that an appropriate place to have a, a kindred fight or a kindred investigation? Where should they do an Elysium? How would that work with the prince? Where would the prince be receiving other kindred? So yeah, it's a, that's a bless. Sometimes I'm just walking and having, you know, brainstorms and, and ideas with, uh, with Gary just to see how, how can we make that work? And that's an incredible feeling. So when we pitched to White Wolf uh, a year ago, uh, usually they take, you know, a few weeks, well, a few months to, to think about how they could approve this license how they could uh, make sure that this make sense in the in the lore in the story in the in the canon story and our process has been very very fast the day we pitched them the story that we had for montreal it, it was approved in a matter of seconds so i thought yeah we are on the good way of making that work let me say i've another couple nitty-gritty sorts of questions so this is a, a cooperative game that it can be played with right as few as one or up to four players. So how does the game scale to handle differing player counts? So in terms of uh, dialogue and investigation, when you do something like talking to a, a single NPC, it's the character playing that t- uh, takes the decision. So you can be one, you can be four. It's only going to be the person actually talking to that specific point of contact that's going to be resolving and choosing and having some narrative dialogue or investigation so that is definitely not a problem when there is multiple people to talk well you can play one by one on each specific thing but you cannot talk about what you discovered right off you need to to make sure that you explain them what information that you but you cannot show them the cards so you need to make sure that you understand it very well so that's an extra layer of complexity. In, in terms of fighting, it's very, you know, it's the usual. The more person, the more opponent you have and the tougher they are. So yes, we scaled the difficulty with this in mind. Okay, and now this is the sort of question I, I ask about any co-op game, although this one seems so story-based, it's probably not much of an issue. But in your, in your playtesting and design, have you had any kind of alpha player issues? Uh, and if so, 
have you done anything in the game to help compensate for that? I mean, in addition to the hidden information that you just aspect that you just yeah. mentioned. So in terms of um, to exactly take the, the answer that you just gave, it's exactly this. When you're the only one to take the decision based on the location that you are, the alpha player cannot intervene. So you are free to do what you think your character and what you would be doing. So that's easy. In terms of fights, everyone has an initiative order. So you are playing your own character based on the time you're playing in the round. So, of course, the alpha player can say how oh, you should do this and that, but at the end of the day, you're the one to decide what you do, how to control your beast, what do you do with your powers, and what kind of action that you do. So, if you fail altogether, yes, maybe you can take your time to think about a, a general strategy and make sure that your strength complements other players' strength, but it's really up to you to decide. Okay, I know you talked about locations there. Is the when the coterie is going around the city, are they always moving as a unit, or is it possible to have them scattered in, in various places at the same time? So you're only playing scenes in a specific scenario. Sometimes you're playing one, sometimes you're playing two. Every single scenario comes with the dialogue card, so if there is NPCs to talk, there is a, some investigation here and there, depending on where you are in the story, and there is, the, of course, the fight. So you are in one scene, in one tile. So every single scenario is going to have a dedicated tile where you're going to be here. For example, the first scenario is taking place in the Olympic Park of Montreal, but the second one is, I think, in uh, the Five Roses factory. The third one is, I believe, on the Belvedere. So you see, we, we try to make sure that every single person playing Vampire the Masquerade chapters would be able to come in Montreal and say, hey, I already know this city, because every single scenario is going to have a, a specific tile and location. Okay, uh, now am I recalling correctly that Chapters has sort of a, a, a prelude system to launch off the campaign? Exactly. We are trying to be very transparent and honest in what we do at Flows Games. Uh, we were Lucky enough to be uh, well-funded for our first game, Kiwetin, and our second Until the Light has been actually uh, taken over by the, by the fans since Gen Con in 2019. And two months after that, 98% of our stocks have been depleted. So it's kind of amazing to feel loved by the community. So we're trying to, to give back to them and be very, very transparent in what we're doing. So we've made true prologues. Only one is available at the time of our recording, but the second is coming up very, very soon. So the first one is the uh, tutorial and the Gangrel prologue, where uh, we are exploring how this character has been embraced, how the combat 1v1 works. And on our second prologue, which is the Venture prologue, it explains how the narrative story works, how uh, Boon can be used, and how political alliances or the vampiric society works, what's the masquerade, what are the tradition, what's the lingering conflict between Anarch and Camarilla. So the prologue are not a way to completely forgive the rules book. Of course, you need to read it and we try to make it as digest as possible because we've been working with uh, Joseph Pilkus on this and he's the one in charge of the Stonemaier games, 
rules most of the time. He's a consultant, but he's doing a tremendous job and we're using his help because rules are actually very hard to, to write. So the prologue are here to um, do a tutorial of one specific mechanism. So the fight, the fight with multiple opponents, how the masquerade breach works, how the anger works as well, how to use vampiric disciplines, how to do some investigation. So what, uh, every single core aspect of the game has been in a tutorialized just to explain you what your character is good at, basically. Okay. Now, I know that there are obviously a variety of, of character options to play through. Is there a particular one that's sort of your personal favorite that if you were sitting down and, and you know, playing through it for the first time, you think would be the, the coolest to experience the game as? So they're all good. It really depends on what you are looking for in terms of gameplay. If, for example, you're very, you're a hardcore VTM fan and you don't want to fight because you are close to the venture side, Toreador, and you want, you know, to do some political aspect of the game. Well, the dialogue mechanism is going to allow you to play most of the game just by doing this. Uh, you're going to be using your power, your influence, try to use your brain just to outsmart your enemies and your opponent and your rivals. So you can do this. And myself, I'm much more closer to a Bruja playstyle. I actually have a Bruja Malkavian tattoo. <laughs> so yes, I'm a, I'm a hardcore fan myself, of course. And um, we actually, I'm not going to tell you which one is my favorite or which one is the most appropriate because they're all balanced. We've made sure of this. What I can tell you is that we've uh, created a quiz, a character guide to let you discover what character you should be playing. So in the Kickstarter page, you can click on the character quiz, respond to a few different questions based on the, you know, hypothetic uh, situation what kind of gameplay you like, what kind of power you'd be looking for if you had a way of choosing them. And uh, at the end of the, the, the quiz, you have a result. Like, you should be playing Thomas Chartrand de Bruja. You should be playing Harold Beaulieu de Malkivian. You should be playing uh, Jade de, de Tremere. You should be playing Aaron Conway de Gangrel. So you are one click away to know what character you should be playing. But... What's good about uh, Vampire the Masquerade Chapters is that every single scenario that you do, you have some experience points. So you can improve your character over time the way you want. You can start with a, a venture very good at dominating and presents and, of course, you know, influencing people, but it also has some fortitude. So if you want to push him for combat and make sure that you have a polyvalent venture, you can put the next couple of experience point in fortitude to make sure that he can sustain a fight or you can push him in dominate or you can push him in, in skills or attributes so it's really up to you to know what kind of a character that you want it starts preset but after what you do with it it's really up to you yes i have taken the quiz and i probably should not be surprised that it came up with toreador they're my favorite clan <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I do want to make sure to ask this the, the kickstarter started off on February 4th. It's going to be wrapped up by the end of February. And with the, the preface that I'm asking, I know this is a goal, not a guarantee, but what is your goal for how long it's going to take from the close of the Kickstarter to when Chapters is in people, people's hands? That's a very good question. On the first game that we did, Kiwetin, we had 
some horrible uh, situation where we were very young and naive in that business. So we've made a couple of mistakes and we were late about two months when we were supposed to deliver. It was very close, but still, that was not something that, you know, we're counting on. In, uh, on Until the Light, we were very close as well. I think we were a month late for most of American and Europeans. So for the Canadian backers, we were a little bit late to the party and we had a, a tremendous welcome and um, reaction from the Canadian because we're Canadians and, you know, they were supporting us. But the reality of it is that we had a, a fulfillment center that went bankrupt. So we needed to find a solution. So we were a little bit later on, uh, on the Canadian side. So now we have a very well-dedicated team on the fulfillment, on the production. We're only working with the best. We don't compromise on quality on any single aspect of the game, which is production, manufacturing, or translation. So we are very confident on our delivery time. The thing is, of course, if there is some major case, uh, we're going to do our best. But it, it would take at least a year, that's for sure, because that's a game with 300,000 words, and we need to translate it in English and French, and maybe more if we have some stretch goals. So. Yes, it will take some time. This is not a game that we want to rush. This is our most ambitious and most exciting project that we've been working on. So we don't want to make a mistake on the quality because one game delayed, yes, it's bad. But one game that was rushed, that's way more terrible. Yeah, I guess Montreal would be the wrong place to be to not at least have it in French and English, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's we we had to we had to we had to do it in English and French, and because we are also French, it was you know very easy to to make that decision. But we had so much support from the Brazilian community. It's they're amazing. They they've been supporting us from day one. They're very very active on our uh, dedicated Facebook group for Vampire the Masquerade Chapters. So uh, if you guys are listening to us, we love you and we're doing our best to uh, translate it as soon as possible in uh, Portuguese, for sure. So Chapters features miniatures and, of course, there's a lot of tabletop gamers who are very big on having very nice-looking minis in the games. And it, <laughs> of course, yeah, anyway, right, yeah. So, as, as we said, like sometimes we think there are people who are backing the things because they like the miniatures, regardless of the game. And art has always been a, a very important part, at least for me, and I, I suspect for a lot of other people, a very important part of Vampire the Masquerade. So, what kind of team have you put together to handle, you know, the art and the graphic design and the miniatures aspects of the game? So, because VTM Chapters is Great question, actually, because that project is so intimate for us. This is something that we've been playing for the last 20 years. This is our dream project. We're living the dream right now. So we didn't want to compromise on anything. For the illustration, we've been working with Max Simonetti. He's the illustrator of Star Wars, uh, Game of Thrones, and Zombicide, and so much cool stuff. And we really dig his art, so we asked for his uh, participation in the game. And in terms of miniatures, we also went for the best. We went with uh, Francesco. We do not compromise on the sculpture of miniature. We do not, we don't compromise on the quality the game could have. This is something very, very important for us. This is the legacy of what we 
could do. So we went and picked the best of each in every single aspect of the game. In terms of manufacturing, we're working with the best. For the illustration, we had three illustrators. For the game design, we're also working with other people. Same for the rules, same for everything. We realized in very different ways, Gary and I, that there is nothing more expensive than working with amateurs because you have to go back to it. You have to make sure that it goes to the level of quality you want. So if you want to do it right, do it right once. So work with the best. All right. Now, if anyone wants to find out more information about the game, obviously they can go to kickstarter.com and search for Vampire the Masquerade chapters. But is there any other way that people could stay informed about the game? Sure thing. Let's go to uh, Flyers Games on Facebook. We're very active on our social media. We do some uh, contests, some sneak peek about different things. We also do some surveys. So if you want to be very active in the Kickstarter campaign, we of course, we're going to be very active in the Kickstarter campaign. But there is a few things you can get on the Facebook, on our Twitter and our Instagram. But yeah, feel free to contact us. We're very, very available. Make sure to play the prologues and to have a look at the Kickstarter campaign. The rules are going to also be available and you can play the quiz. The quiz is very fun. We had a lot of fun playing and making that right as well. Well, thanks for joining us today, Thomas. You can check out Vampire the Masquerade. If, if, it's, if it's still February 2020, you can check out Vampire the Masquerade chapters on Kickstarter. You can also find them at vampirethemasquerade-chapters.com or I guess technically vampire the masquerade hyphen chapters.com. <laughs> I personally am very excited about the game. And at the time I'm recording this, I'm looking forward to seeing it on Kickstarter. I guess by the time you're listening to us, I will be excited at having had the chance to look at it on Kickstarter. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Chris, for your help and uh, for this podcast. It's uh, always a pleasure to listen to uh, your episodes. So uh, now I'm on it. It's amazing as well. So um, it's exactly why we've been doing that uh, Kickstarter about VTM. All the people in this uh, hobby are very, very de dedicated and passionate about. So yeah, we're, hot, we're at the home here. You've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there on iTunes, the Google Play Music Store, Spotify, or any podcatching service that you might use. If you do not see Strange Assembly on your podcatching service, please let me know. I would like to rectify that situation. You can reach me via email. I'm chris at strangeassembly.com. I always like to hear from you. You can also find us on the usual social media. We are facebook.com slash strangeassembly, at strangeassembly on Twitter, strangeassembly on Instagram. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can also help us out by leaving a rating or review on iTunes. The overwhelming majority of people, it turns out, get their podcast through iTunes, even if you happen not to. So leaving a rating or review does a lot to help people discover it. And because we are greedy, greedy people who are just only waiting for people to sell out to, you can find us at patreon.com slash strangeassembly. Until then, for Thomas at Flyos Games. I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming. Bye, guys. <laughs>